Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you so much you listening to Bible Crossfire at this same time every week. Um, on this program, of course, we talk about passages like John 8.31, where Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. A lot of people out there claim to be Jesus' disciples. When you have hundreds of different churches, that means you have hundreds of different people with different doctrines claiming to be his disciple. But Jesus said, you are a true disciple only if you continue in his word. All of those different teachings, they all can't be continuing in Jesus' word. Two plus two cannot equal four and five at the same time, not in mathematics or religion. Somebody's not continuing in Jesus' word. And according to John 8, 31, therefore, they're not truly his, Jesus' disciple. And they're not going to know the truth, and the truth's not going to make them free from sin. They're not going to be saved from their sins because they're not continuing in Jesus' word. They're not following the truth. They're believing and teaching and practicing false doctrine. Last week, we were talking about different uh, verses in the New Testament that contain the word if, this big little word if that states a condition. And here's an important one, John 8, 31. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. What's the if statement mean there? Well, it's a condition as we defined it last week. If we continue in his word, then we're truly his disciples. The implication is, based on how the word if works, is if we don't continue in his word, then we're not his disciples. So if the Bible teaches against gay marriage and somebody, some church approves of gay marriage, then even though they claim to be Jesus' disciples, they're not. And that gets whole denominations like the Presbyterian Church, Methodist Church, Episcopal Church, who approve of gay marriage. They're not really Jesus' disciple, even though they claim they are, because they're not continuing in Jesus' word. How about churches that allow women preachers? Are they continuing in Jesus' word? I think not, because God said in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. It's clear the way we define the issue of women preachers that women are not to do it. They're not even, they're not to even speak in the church, much less preach the sermon. So what about the churches that allow women preachers? Are they continuing in Jesus' word? Well, obviously not. Therefore, even though they claim to be Jesus' disciple, they're not his true disciple. That's the force of this little word if in John 8, 31. What about churches that practice sprinkling for baptism or infant baptism? You can't find that in God's word, right? Romans 6 verse 4 says we're buried with him, with Christ in baptism. When somebody dies and we take him out to the graveyard, we don't just sprinkle a little dirt on their head. We know what the word buried means. So if we're buried in baptism, it's going to be mean we're going to be buried in the water. We're going to be immersed. And then as, regarding infant baptism, we've read before probably several times this passage. Philip's preaching to the eunuch. Let me begin in Acts 8 verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, 
if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So Philip's preaching Jesus to the eunuch. Evidently, preaching Jesus included talking about baptism because the, they come upon some water. The eunuch wants to be baptized. What's keeping me from it? He said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. May what? May be baptized. Which implies that if you're not a believer, you may not be baptized. So that shows clearly that infant baptism is ruled out as being scriptural. Yet we have all these different churches sprinkling babies, calling it baptism. Are they continuing in Jesus' word? No. And John 8, 31 says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? Meaning you're not a true disciple if you don't continue in Jesus' word. You see how strong, how big that little word if can be? If you have a Bible question about this or any other topic, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you want to get on the air, you got a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open, is 877-655-6755. Let's don't overlook this little word if. How about John 9.31? It says, and this is the, the blind man who was healed by Jesus in John chapter 9. At this juncture in verse 31, he's in the middle of sort of like a religious debate. That's what I would call it. And by the way, the blind man does just about as good as debating with these Pharisees, debating the Bibles I've ever seen. In the middle of it, I mean, the Pharisees are saying, Jesus, he's a sinner. And the blind man is saying, basically, if he's a sinner, how could he have healed me? And he says it this way in John 9, 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Now, the blind man was not inspired, but in this case, he's right. He's exactly correct. God does not hear sinners. You have to be a worshiper of God and do his will for God to hear you. I hear all the time people on TV, they're, they're not even coming anywhere close to living a faithful Christian life. And they say, we'll pray for you. I mean, like the president of the United States, we'll pray for you. Well, our presidents hadn't been acting like Christians, have they? I mean, you can tell that from just their press conferences and things you see. They're not acting like Christians. We'll pray for you. I see all that all over the news. We'll pray for you. What makes these people think they have a right to pray? You got to be a worshiper of God and do his will before God will hear your prayer. That's the force of the word here. Excuse me. That's the force of the word if here. Now, to confirm this, as I said, the blind man's not inspired, but there are plenty of passages that teach that same thing. Isaiah 59, 2, for example, in the Old Testament says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. If you're in living in iniquity, you're continuing in that and you're not repenting of it, God's not going to hear your prayer. It doesn't matter how much you say you're a believer in Christ. It doesn't matter how much you say you love God. If you're not living a faithful Christian life, God does not hear your prayer. So you don't have the right to pray for somebody maybe who's sick or in a difficult situation. Bible question or comment? Give us a call, 877-655-6755. Here's another if statement. John 12, 26. Jesus is speaking here. He says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. 
there's that word if twice. He basically says, we'll come back to the part about following me in a minute. He says, if you serve me, then you're going to be with me where he is. Where is he talking about? Well, if we look at John 14, verses 2 and 3, I think you'll see for sure where he's talking about. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That's talking about Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven. He's going there to prepare a place for us so that we can be there with him in heaven. That where I am, there you may be also. And that's what he's saying in John 12, 26. If you serve me where I am, there shall also my servant be. Now, what does that imply? Well, it implies that you have to serve Jesus to be in heaven with Jesus. We'll get back to this point in a minute. Let's go ahead and take the call. Craig from Montana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. Uh, I go to a good church, and uh, it's a Bible-believing church. They're non-denominational. Christ is the center of, of the church. But the pastor, he and his wife are both pastors. And you just said a few minutes ago that if, if there's a woman pastor, they're not following Christ. Is that correct? Right, right. I could give you some more passages, but the passage we read a while ago was 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. If they're a Bible-believing church, do they believe this part of the Bible, Craig? I'll let you make up your mind. Here's, here's that passage again. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Okay. What was well, the scripture I mean, again? I, I understand what you're saying. I just, First Corinthians? Chapter 14, 34, and 35. And let me give you another okay. passage, Craig. Here's sure, another you one. Bet. You can write it down. First Timothy 2, 11, 11 and 12 says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Okay. All right. Now, really close to that passage, if you wrote that down, First Timothy two eleven, it gives the qualification. I'm driving. Okay. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Maybe I can. I'll try to call you back later and give you these passages later. But here's another one I want you yeah, to that's... consider, Craig. In First okay. Timothy three, verse two, Paul begins a discussion of the qualifications for a pastor or an elder or a bishop. In the Bible, those words are used interchangeably. They're all the same office. They're just emphasizing different aspects of the work. The pastor means he's the shepherd. He, he feeds the sheep. He's the teacher. A bishop means he's the overseer. He's the overseer. Okay. Okay. Or elder man, means he's an older man with wisdom and experience to lead people. But it says in verse 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, starts the, the qualifications for this pastor, bishop, or elder. It says a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now, we're not going to read the rest of the call qualifications. I just wanted to concentrate on this one. A bishop okay. or pastor or elder has to be the husband of one wife. He can't be a woman because a woman can't be the husband of a wife. Now, And you, and you okay. say, well, why does he have to be the husband of one wife? Well, it's because of the passage we just quoted, which is just about three or four verses before this one. It says the woman is not to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So the woman is not to take a leadership role 
over men, according to 1 Timothy 2.12. And the pastor, by definition, is taking a leadership role over, over people of the congregation, the men of the congregation. He's an overseer. He's a bishop. He's a pastor. You follow what I'm saying? I do. You bet. So that's that's First Timothy three verse two. Also, the the qualifications for a pastor or bishop or elder also in Titus chapter one it says the same thing: husband of one wife. He has to be a husband because this is a leadership role, and women are not to take leadership roles over men, according to passages like First Timothy two twelve, First Corinthians eleven verse three. You see that in Ephesians five when it comes to the family, that the husband is the head of the wife. That's in the family, right? But it's yeah, more broad than just the family. Okay. Let me ask you. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Craig. Just want to. I'm That's actually. Okay. Qui- I'm. I'm quizzing you more not to put you on the spot, but just so the audience who's listening might get get a point. You mentioned that the church there is a Bible believing church, but yes. are they really a Bible believing church if they have a woman pastor and they're ignoring these three or four passages? I. I they don't seem to me they really believe these passages. Are you really a Bible-believing church if you just kind of pick and choose which verses you believe and the ones you don't believe you just kind of throw out? You see what I'm saying, Craig? Yeah, yeah. It's just something to think about. I'm not putting you on the spot personally. I just want the audience to hear me make that point because that a lot of people claim to be in Bible-believing churches, but what that church does doesn't really res- – what they believe in practice doesn't really resemble what you read about in the Bible. A lot okay. of times. All right. Greg, I'm going to try to call you later so I can give you these passages, okay? Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Hey, whereabouts you live in Montana? Great Falls. How I'm far is Montana, that from Yellowstone? How far is that from Yellowstone? About three and a half hours. Uh, my brother and his wife just went to Yellowstone today. To look at some of the damage from the yeah, could they and get the in? Gone. Could they get in? Yeah, the upper part or the bottom part of Yellowstone is open. Uh, the northern, it's either the northern tier or the southern tier that is shut off, and I can't remember right now. But uh, they went down there for a vacation, not just necessarily to watch the or see the flooding, but to partake of all the beauty. Craig, thank you for your call. Okay. You bet. Have a great night. Drive safe. So in John twelve twenty six, if any man serve me, he'll be with Jesus in heaven. That implies you have to serve Jesus to be saved, to go to heaven. Now, a lot of people, preachers, matter of fact, will say all you got to do to be saved is believe in Jesus. A lot of times they'll say it this way. All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to be saved. But we all know there's a difference in believing in a king, for example, and serving a king. For example... Everybody listening to me believes the Queen of England exists. Queen Elizabeth, isn't she about 90 years old? Been been the Queen since before I was born, I think. She exists. We believe that she exists. But here in America, we don't serve the Queen of England. Maybe they do in England, but we don't. We believe she exists, but we don't serve her. Uh, So there's a difference in believing a king exists and actually serving that king. And Jesus says here, you got to serve him. To go to heaven. You know, Jesus is a king. Revelation 19, 16 said he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. People believe. I believe in Jesus the king. But do you serve him? 
there's a big difference. And here he says, you got to serve him. He says, if any man serve me, him will my father honor. That means the father will not honor you if you don't serve Jesus. Now, he didn't say, if any man believe in me, then he'll go to heaven. Now, that's true. But he says here, if any man serve me, he'll go to heaven. So it takes belief and service. Remember, with the illustration of Queen Elizabeth, we believe she exists, but we don't serve her. There's a big difference. We have to not only trust in God, we have to obey. It takes trust and obedience, just like the famous hymn says. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. In John 12, 32, we have another if statement. Jesus speaking says, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. If he's lifted up from the earth. What's he talking about there, being lifted up from the earth? I think this phraseology is mentioned three times in John. And I think the next verse there, uh, John 12, verse 33, tells us what it's talking about. Uh, It says, this he said, signifying what death he should die. So it's talking about him being lifted up on the cross. Now, that leads me to an interesting analogy that's made in the book of John. One of my favorite analogies in all of the Bible, John 3, 14 and 15, comes right before the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, which I dearly love that verse too. Right before it, though, is one of my favorite passages, John 3, 14 and 15. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What's the analogy? Well, he's John is referring back to the story in Numbers 21 when the Israelites were murmuring against God. You read it for yourself, Numbers 21, 4 through 9, when you get time. God sent down poisonous snakes to punish them, and many of them are dying, so they asked Moses for help. God then asked God for help, and God said to Moses, here's what I want you to do. Make a serpent out of bronze, put it up on top of a pole, and whoever looks on that bronze serpent will be healed of their snake bite. That's basically what it says. So here's the, and and many of the Israelites did. They looked at that bronze serpent and they were healed of their snake bite. Here's the analogy, the parallel that John is making. Just like they were healed physically from their snake bite by looking up on that serpent up on a pole, we can be healed spiritually from our sins if we look to Jesus up on that pole, the cross. You see that? Isn't that an interesting and great analogy? Great analogy. You got to look to Jesus. You got to believe in Jesus. You got to look upon that person up on the pole, believe in him, Jesus Christ, up on that cross if you want to be healed spiritually. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. In John 14, 14, here's another if statement. Jesus says, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, There are other conditions of acceptable prayer, and we're going to read a couple of them later. There's probably at least six or eight in the New Testament, conditions of acceptable prayer. But here's one. You have to pray in Jesus' name or that prayer won't be heard. Now, that doesn't mean you have to say, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, that may be a good thing to say, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about praying in his name, not saying it. For example, I could I could say I'm going to play tennis, or I can actually play tennis. Now, those things could go hand in hand, but I can actually play tennis without saying I'm going to play tennis. 
and I could actually say I'm going to play tennis and maybe it rains and I don't play tennis. There are two different things, playing tennis and saying you're going to play tennis. Exactly the same thing here. It's two different things to ask in Jesus's name and to say you're asking in Jesus's name. We have to actually ask in his name by his authority. That's the condition of acceptable prayer. Here's some other conditions of acceptable prayer. How about 1 John 3, 22? It says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, this kind of goes along with, with John 9, 31, which we read a while ago, talking about people I see on TV, uh, sports, famous sports people saying, we're going uh, to pray for somebody. And they say, they're not even trying to live right, according to God's word. And they think they have the right to pray. This says we're going to get what we pray for. God's going to hear our prayer because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So if you're not keeping his commandments, if you're not doing the things pleasing in his sight, you should not expect God to hear your prayer. So don't say you're going to pray for somebody unless you're living a faithful Christian life. It's a misnomer. God is not going to hear that prayer unless you're being a faithful Christian, unless you're you know, following his word, going to church regularly, reading and studying your Bible, praying regularly, trying to convert the lost regularly, uh, following the truth and not man-made doctrine. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines of the commandments of men. If you follow the commandments of men, then your worship is in vain. God's not going to hear your prayer. Here's another condition of acceptable prayer. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So we have to ask according to God's will. We can't, just as one passage says, just ask something to fulfill our own lust. Like if I just said, God, please give me a red Corvette so I can cruise around, you know. That, that's We don't pray for things just to be selfish, for our selfish best uh, interest. We pray for things that are according to God's will. That's what, that's what 1 John 5, 14 is talking about. Hey, if you have a Bible question or comment, you want to get on the air, lines are wide open. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Here's another if statement in the book of John. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, I can show my wife, Carol, that I love her by kissing her. Okay, because she's here. I can't show God I love him by kissing him. How do I demonstrate to God that I love him? Well, this verse tells us by keeping his commandments. That's how I tell God I love him. That's how I demonstrate to God that I love him by keeping his commandments. It says, if you love me, Jesus is speaking here, keep my commandments, which means if you're not keeping his commandments, you don't really love him like y'all do. People say on this program, they'll come and say, well, everybody sins. And, it's, and, and God's just going to forgive me. And it's like they feel like they can just just violate Jesus' commandments, live the way they want to live, and they're just going to be forgiven even though they never repent. No. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if you're not keeping his commandments, you don't really love him like you ought to. John 14, 23, which is connected to this, is Jesus answered and said to him, if a man loved me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. You know, God loves everybody unconditionally in the sense that Jesus came and died on the cross for the world, everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever 
believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He loves everybody unconditionally in that Jesus came and died for everybody. He loves everybody unconditionally in that he wants what's best for everybody. But this verse is talking about God loving some people conditionally. If a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. So the way you love Jesus is by keeping his his words, his law. And then if you do that, if you love Jesus and keep his words, then the father will love you. So if you don't love Jesus, if you don't keep Jesus's words, the father won't love you. And that's the conditional kind of love. That's God granting you salvational favor. He's only going to save you if you love him and keep his commandments. If you'd like a free one-hour phone Bible study, give me a call or text me, 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study with me. Call or text me, 256-682-9753. We appreciate so much you listening to the program tonight. want you to listen next week at this same time. And by the way, if you have a Bible question and you're uncomfortable about going on the air, you can just send me an email at BibleCrossfire at email.com.